Well, praise the Lord. What a day we've had. What a morning we've had. A uh, couple of things very quickly, and certainly appreciate your, your kindness and as we run just a little bit late, but I tell you what, I wouldn't want to miss one thing. Amen. First of all, a quick note. When someone sings a special with pre-recorded music that we do not have a license to broadcast, you will notice it's not streamed and it's not recorded. So I just want people to know we're not ignoring or dismissing something or someone. We pay for licensing every year out of the church. We carry a license to do all the songs that we do, and we pay a fee for that. So we have legal permission to do those songs. But when we don't have a, a, a release, a license for a certain song, we cannot legally broadcast it. So please, thank you for your understanding in that. And maybe some didn't realize that, so it's good that we get it out there. And especially to those who may be watching online right now, they're going to wonder what that, that little blank but that's that's what it is, folks. So obeying the laws of the land and uh, making sure we, we do it correctly, okay? I also want you to uh, be prayerful and consideration and hope you're prepared to vote on Tuesday. I have absolutely no problem nor any legal restriction uh, upon me to tell you that uh, the church needs to rise up and vote yes. This is not a, a political issue. It's not a party-designated event. This is a moral vote. A moral vote. So please, please support the right thing and vote yes. I think we're going to jump right into our text this morning. I do want to, uh, to pause just a moment for maybe just that moment of silence. Just a moment where we all just kind of catch our breath. It's been a beautiful week. It's been a tremendous God-honoring week at VBS. And it's been the most difficult week. I want us to be praying for Kit. But I also want you to know that we had a wonderful Christ-exalting time together yesterday morning celebrating Bob's life and talking about the hope, the hope that we as followers of Christ have. That's a beautiful thing, folks. That's a beautiful thing. So let's take a moment and just let the Holy Spirit ready our minds and hearts for the Word of God. And to God be all glory honor, and praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Worry. 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 I am, I am seriously concerned about the day I wake up and there's nothing to worry about. I'll be worried about that. Oh, I'm not worried. I'm just obsessively concerned. I got to tell you, and there's time for this, please permit me, I'm, I'm kind of conscientious of time, but I need to erase that here for just a moment. I was uh, took to, caught into the doctor 
uh, in one of her checkups, and while I was waiting, I went outside the facility, and they had this great big canopy over there, and I like to look at construction. I just like to say, how's that put together? How's that mounted and everything? Well, what I noticed, and we're going to move through this rapidly, what I noticed is there was four massive pillars on the outside of this canopy holding that up. The canopy was basically rectangular. The four pillars were square. The four pillars were setting on a square steel plate on top of a square concrete pedestal. Do you get the picture? Okay. But on top of that pedestal plate, which was square, on top of the square plate, on top of the square concrete, below the square canopy, were nuts and square washers. So as I observed, five pillars, four bolts on each pillar, that's 20 bolts and square nuts. One of those nuts was not square with the rest of the squareness. It drove me nuts. I found out I was obsessive. I wanted a wrench. I wanted to line up that corner. Why was that one square washer setting cattywampus to everything else? You get, you know what I'm talking about, Doris, right? It, it was wrong. I'm not worried. I'm just obsessed. In the final chapter of Philippians, we'll see the importance of having a secured mind. We're going to jump right into this. A mind guarded by the peace of God so that square washers don't bother us anymore. The Bible term, uh, or the word worry, I should say, the word worry comes from an old Anglo-Saxon or what we call Old English word, and it means to strangle, <laughs> to strangle. The, 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 the word anxious from a biblical definition literally means to be torn apart. Do you see what worry and anxiety do to us? They strangle us, tear us apart. Well, what causes worry and anxiety? Much of it is wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. And that's why we will end in the text or we'll capture in the text this importance of having our hearts and minds guarded. In chapter 4, Paul will give us a fourfold solution and the remedy for worry and anxiety. And I list these four, God's presence, God's peace, God's power, and God's provision. That takes care of everything. Today, we're going to address the first two, God's presence, God's peace. Please stand at the reading of the Word of God this morning. We'll be reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 9. This is the Word of God given to His people for the edification, the building up of the body, and corrections that we must observe. I entreat I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, 
by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have heard and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Father, we pray that you would bless your word in such a way that it impacts our lives. It is living. It is active. It is here for our instruction, correction, edification. And Father, we thank you for the privilege of having it read today. For the glory of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Although verse 1 of chapter 4 was included in last week's message, I believe it's important to refer back to that for one reason. Paul ends that that series from, from last week with stand firm thus in the Lord. Stand firm thus in the Lord. And what this about and what, what this really boils down to is the all-sufficient provision of Christ. All-sufficient. That's a huge term, folks. When we say that Christ will meet all of our needs according to the, that God will meet all of our needs according to the glorious riches that are found in Christ Jesus, that's profound. There's nothing left out of that statement, nothing left out of that promise. He will meet all of our needs. Needs. You see, the sufficiency of Christ alone is important to the Christian doctrine. It is not Jesus and. It is not this or that and Jesus. You see, this type of thinking or even theology is unbiblical at its core. And I would say even to the extent that this is at the heart of what some call the prosperity gospel. I will not be hesitant in that. Preach that Jesus saves, but he owes me much more. He owes us nothing, but he has freely given us all things. What a promise. What a promise. So let us dive into the text. The first thing that I would like to consider in point number one is the reconciliation is a premise of the gospel. It's foundational. I entreat Euodia and Syntica to agree in the Lord. There it is. Common ground, right? We may have some differences of opinion. But the beauty of that, brothers and sisters, with all hope and confidence, is you will all agree with me when we get to glory. That was a joke. You'll find out I was right. No. (laughs) But folks, we will agree when we get to glory. We will agree when we get the glory. There will be differences of opinion. But when it comes back to the essentials of the faith, folks, we should all be able to agree in the Lord. In the Lord. Paul immediately refers to this. We got a little problem in the church. 
Got a little problem in the church, great church, but he's reminding these people that there must be unity. They must maintain unity, and we find that unity in our common faith. Loving encouragement versus critical condemnation. What an approach. There is no conflict too great that grace cannot heal. There is no division too wide that love cannot mend. Reconciliation is the message of the cross, both vertical and horizontal. And if you are at odds with a brother or sister in Christ, then brothers and sisters, there is a problem between you and the Lord. Because both are reconciled at the cross. The story is told of, oh, this is a joke. I'll, I'll introduce it, okay? It's easier than explaining it, right, Brian? Yeah. There's a story told of some monks in a remote monastery, and they followed a rigid vow of silence. Their vow could only be broken once a year on Christmas by one monk. That monk could speak only one sentence. One Christmas, Brother Thomas had his turn to speak and said, I love the delight of mashed potatoes we have every year with Christmas roast. Then he sat down and silence ensued for 365 days. The next Christmas, Brother Michael got his turn and said, I think the mashed potatoes are lumpy and I truly despise them. Once again, silence ensued for 365 days. The following Christmas, Brother Paul rose and said, I am fed up with this constant bickering. <laughs> In some ways, yes, Raymond. Sometimes we're all twisted about the mashed potatoes instead of what's really important. Point number two. Rejoicing demonstrates the power of the gospel. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. How can you read that and not feel encouraged? Rejoice. Let's say it together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, how can our mind go somewhere else if we're committed to that? Rejoice in the Lord always. This is the power of the gospel. This is the power of the gospel that those who have lost loved ones experience. Knowing where their loved ones are by the grace and mercies of our God. So in sadness and sorrow, even in pain and struggle and trial, we can rejoice in the Lord because we know He's present. He's present. Rejoicing over and in what Christ has done for us, sinners saved by grace, I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. 
In 1 Thessalonians, we have a very similar passage. Chapter 5, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I have, through the years of ministry, uh, been asked countless times, what is the will of God for my life? Well, I have a couple of answers for that, but one of them is this passage. Because I don't necessarily know, and most often do not know, what God's specific call in your life is. You and the Holy Spirit got to work that out. And then we can confirm that and encourage you and come alongside you as you fulfill that will in your life. That's the way the church works. But you come and ask me what God will is for your life, here's what I'm going to tell you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It's pretty simple. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you and completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the will of God for us. For us. And that's the will of God for every believer. Like I said, you and the Holy Spirit work out the specifics within that will. Number three, please. Relying provides proof of the gospel. And I use the word relying simply because why? It begins with an R. Okay? That's simple enough. But what we want to really focus on is what trusting is. If, if we rely on something or someone to do something, we're trusting. We have put a measure of faith in that thing or in that person to do what is expected of them, okay? And why do we have this promise? The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. That doesn't refer to his coming. That refers to his now presence, his current presence. The Lord is at hand. This is the promise of his presence with us. If the Lord here or not, does he know, care or not? That's the question. Is he here or not? Does he care or not? Well, I assure you both are affirmed. He is here in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, and he cares. He cares about us. Cast all your anxieties on him, Peter says, because he cares for you. Brothers and sisters, hold that promise. Hold it close. Hold it tight. No matter where you're at or what you're going through or what you've experienced in the past or what may befall you in the future, Jesus is not oblivious to it. He cares. He cares. Worry is the proclamation that my problem is bigger than my God or that he is simply unaware of my circumstances. It is wrong thinking which leads to wrong feelings which leads to wrong conclusions what is the solution? Point number four, resting in the promise of the gospel. Resting in the promise of the gospel. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And some have the word transcends. That's a good word. And the peace of God transcends our understanding. From a spiritual point of view, worry is wrong thinking. That's the mind. It's wrong feeling. That's the heart. 
And worry is the, one of the greatest thieves of our joy, of our joy. It is not enough for us, however, to, to just tell yourself, how many have said when you're in a difficult situation, oh, let's quit worrying. How many have heard that? It doesn't work that way. I'm serious. It's not that easy. That's a pat response to a complicated situation. You see, worry is an inner, an inner, inner, inner state. And sometimes it's more difficult than just quitting worrying. The antidote is, is a secure mind. And the peace of God shall keep. And I love this. That means, that means a garrison, a guard. It's a group of soldiers in the Roman language that, that are watching over something or someone. God is placing a garrison, a, a, a guard over our hearts. Now, if God is guarding it, who's going to get through? Who's going to get through? Paul does not write. Just pray about it. Here again, guys, I, I don't want to come across overly critical, but I want us to be sure that we're cautious in our pat answers. Okay? Well, just quit worrying. Pray about it. Well, Paul says that's not enough. I want to tell you how to pray about worry. Let's go back and look at it again. Pray with supplication, right? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your or let your request be known to God. Paul gives us three steps there to follow. It carries the idea of adoration, devotion, worship. Adoration is what is needed. We must see the greatness and majesty of our God when we're facing difficult times. We must realize that he is big enough and great enough and cares enough to solve our problems. Too often we rush him to his presence. We fill him in with the information that he's obviously lacking. And we rush out to reassume our position of worry and anxiety. God knows. God cares. Prayer is spending that time with him, letting him know how much we love him, how much he is worthy of praise, how much we are trusting him. And even though he does not provide me with the answers before I leave that, that session of prayer, I know that he will in his good and perfect time. The first step in right praying is adoration. Second is supplication. He, we need to share those things, our needs and our problems. There's no room in prayer for half-hearted, insincere prayer. It certainly doesn't cover the model or, or capture the model of Jesus, does it? Who sweat blood when he prayed. That's intensity. Our prayers should be intense, sincere. And after we have offered that supplication, there is that appreciation. Appreciation, giving thanks to God, giving thanks, even, even in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the trial, not just after it's passed. Because here's the deal, folks, I want, you to, I want us to understand this very quickly. I would say not just quite often, but most often, God does not deliver us from the circumstance immediately. But he will walk through it with us. 
His promise is always the hope on the other side. Amen? So when you pray, God, get me out of this circumstance, be careful. Be careful. God will probably, and I'm not going to just speak on behalf of him and say this is what you need to do. But most often he'll leave you right where you're at. And he'll tell you in that quiet, still voice, I am all you need right now. Not escape. Not to get out of this. I am all you need right now. And everything's going to be okay. Paul counsels us to take everything to God in prayer. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. I love that. My friends, my family, this is a great promise of a, of a great God. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now our minds are guarded, our hearts are secured. What's next? First, or point number five, responding is the presentation of the gospel. What does this mean? It means we've got a right mind, a right heart, and now we need right living. We need right living. We know we have right praying. We have right thinking. Now we need right living, okay? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Focus, focus, focus. Please take note that everything we are to think about is everything the devil is not. And we cannot be a divided house. We cannot dwell on the things of God and the lies of Satan at the same time. Can't do it. The gospel is the deliverer. Right praying, right thinking leads to right living. Ephesians 4, therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good and for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. What a life. What a life to live. You know, one of the things that uh, obviously has occurred in this, this recent campaign for value them both is Lies and deception from the pro-abortion people. Lies and deception. And people are questioning, buying into some of them. Lies and deception. Don't be subject, subjected, or become captive to lies and deception when we have God's truth to rest in and on. You cannot separate outward action and inward attitude. 
and the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and peace. The prophet Isaiah, chapter 32. That wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, James 3 and 17. The scripture is clear. If we are to be living examples of the power of the life-giving, life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ, then we should look, live, and speak radically different from that of the unsaved world. And now may I say, by way of invitation, may the God of peace be with all of you. But you see, you cannot have the peace of God until you have made peace with God. Now, he has initiated that process, by the way. God was the initiator of the plan of salvation and still is. He is the author and finisher. So God initiated peace. He reached out to us when he gave his only son as a sacrifice for our sins. Christ bled. He suffered. He died. He was buried. And on the third day, rose from the grave, ascended to be seated at the right hand of the Father in glory in his rightful position of power, authority, and honor. And now... He intercedes. He is our intercessor for all the saints. For all the saints. So God has initiated peace. But now, is there anyone here who has never said, I want to know this God of peace, this God of hope. I want to know him. I want to know him because right now I don't have peace. Right now I'm struggling with today, tomorrow, and forever. I'm struggling. I guarantee you, I guarantee you by the authority of the word of God that if you come to him this morning and you confess your need as a sinner in need of grace and confess Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're going to be slam, damn, jam, dunk with peace. With peace. I can't explain it. I know that it's real. Okay? You'll be filled with peace. Now, all your troubles go away? No. No. They won't go away. But you'll be able to walk in victory through them. You'll be able to walk in victory through them. Father, we pray that the word has spoken to our hearts this morning. It certainly has mine. Being prone to worry myself but I thank you for the deliverance of Christ Jesus and the peace that does surpass all understanding in the most difficult of circumstances, in the highs and the lows and the good and the bad. You're a faithful God. And we thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen. Let's please stand for our hymn of invitation. I have presented a condensed version of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
if you have any questions about what it means to be saved, how do I get this salvation, any questions at all, please, I will remain after church. There will be others who would be glad to remain even after the assembly is gone to talk with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because, folks, the times about us and the culture around us is very, very dark. And we need to be the light shining in that darkness. Let's sing.